morphing <laughs> like into a Power Ranger or into an Animorph? Into a fucking Animorph. I was gonna say that. You're listening to We Explain Movies. Okay. Welcome. Welcome. Bonjour. We're here. We are. We are here. What's your bunker look like? <laughs> <laughs> I feel grateful that I live within walking distance of these ladies, so maybe we'll just hole up together and record like 27 episodes. I think yeah. that's a good idea. <laughs> our idea will stockpile s- for the year. Yeah, our social distancing <laughs> is opposite sides of the living room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say I'm generally six feet away from you. <laughs> yes, these are these are dark times. <laughs> what is that from? Harry Potter. <laughs> I knew it was Harry Potter, but I couldn't. Oh yeah, the scrimmager. Um, whatever, the new minister of magic. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Is it Bill Nye? It's Bill Nye. Nye. <laughs> I was just gonna say because you know what it made me think of. Emma. Because <laughs> we were we were watching the movie Emma the other day, and we're just like looking at all the the British actors, and we're talking about Harry Potter, and all of a sudden I go. And there was, like, a part deep down in my soul that, like, I just knew I was wrong, but I felt like I wasn't. <laughs> I said, Courtney, I can't believe Bill Nye was never in Harry Potter. And she goes, he literally was. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. <laughs> I, I love he looks when we really all... different in it, you know? He does. He uh, does and he doesn't. His exactly. face is, it's not like Gary Oldman where I'm like, whoa, chameleon. I yeah. never knew who Gary Oldman was. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> I mean, it was it. I didn't know he was Commissioner Gordon. Okay. Oh man. Well, anyways, this is the wrap episode. <laughs> if you've lasted this long, <laughs> eh, we're excited to be here. Yes. Yeah. For this wrap, we will be discussing movies that we did this round, and each other has now seen them, which is what we always do. But in case you've never listened to a wrap, that's how it goes. So the movies that we're gonna be doing this time are going to be Sucker Punch, Twelve <laughs> Monkeys. Oh 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 oh. I was really excited for your monkey noise. Uh, Mulholland Drive. I thought you were going to do... And Horse Sense. Nay. It's beautiful. Sounds just like Slingshot. Uh, But before... (laughs) But before we do that, we're going to do a little bit of um, some fun stuff like we always do. You should introduce the first thing we're doing, actually. Sure. Real fast, we wanted to give some shout-outs and some thank-yous to the reviews that we've received over these past six rounds, because uh, none of us noticed they were there <laughs> until, <laughs> until now. Uh, we, we didn't really, like, check our iTunes. We didn't get a notification for them either, so time to give a little shout-out for those and say thank you. More importantly, we are going to honor the late, great James Lipton this round by going through the Bernard Pivot questionnaire, which is how James Lipton of Inside the Actor's Studio would begin his classroom each episode. If you don't know what that is, it's ten questions, and now, redone here on We Explain Movies. For the last time, no one will ever do that again. Oh. <laughs> no, I meant that as in, like, we've perfected it the most, and no. now it can never be done ever again. And now stop doing it, Laura Dern, Laura Dern. <laughs> we saw you, Laura. Yeah, she took over the acting studio for Did a day. Did she really? That's oh, so sweet. that's fun. They're doing, like, a cute thing now, too, because James Lipton hasn't been on it for a while. He unfortunately passed away at the age of 93 a couple weeks ago. And then they did this thing where instead of him interviewing actors on their careers, they would, like, pick an actor to interview another actor. So that's what we have lined up for today. 
We're going to go ahead and get started with these uh, lovely iTunes and Podbean reviews. Who wants to share the first one? Okay, the first review is from our nephews. Oh, the baby boys. boys. Jordan and Nick from Take Three, a movie podcast. If we haven't said it once, we've said it a hundred (laughs) times. Please go listen to them. They're on a slight hiatus right now because they're dealing with some ailments. They um, need some love, so go listen to them. They have a bunch of episodes still available that are just so great. Yeah, tons. Easy to binge all of those. Totally. Oh, so good. Um, Here's what they said. Where the podcast really shines is listening to an episode about a movie you haven't seen. Accepting the fact that the movie will be entirely spoiled is a small admission price for the ticket to the movie theater in your mind while the girls explain the movie to you. Articulate and descriptive yet lighthearted, intelligent yet hilarious, these best friends' passion will give you a fresh experience of seeing a movie. God, so wow. well put. That's so nice. They're so articulate. And I know. How did? <laughs> how did? <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I say the F word too many times. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jordan and Nick. We love you. We love, love you so you. much. And we hope you guys get back to it so soon. Yeah, because we already listened to all your episodes. What do we do? What do we do? Seriously, what do we do? Sit in our houses. <laughs> it just gives me so much joy when I see a little take three notification on my. I, I know, know, and I really yeah. liked their Valentine's Day episode. Yeah, that was About just Wally? such a yeah, such yeah. a fun, cute time. Yeah. Well, our next one comes in from actually Dakota, who, if you guys listened to our horse sense episode, our last episode, he was on it, and his father finally gave us a listen. He listened to our Jojo Rabbit episode, uh, which is a simply spoilers episode. Which means that it's not even an explanation, it's just a whole bunch of spoilers and insight. And he hadn't even seen the movie, but he decided to risk it, and he said that he loved it, and that it made him... This is when I saw him in person, but he said that <laughs> when he watched the movie, he felt like he had a better understanding, because That's of awesome. what he said. Aww. But then he also gave us a little comment, and said, These three ladies are very fun and entertaining. Love the format and the flow of the podcast. Highly recommend them. Looking forward to the other episodes. <laughs> Thanks, oh, Ron. Ron. Very sweet. Yeah. I hope he listens to the Horse Sense episode since his son was on it. Yeah. I hope he does, too. <laughs> it's a it's wacky like one time. of the best. <laughs> we also have another one from iTunes. This is from Tabby from Your New Best Friends podcast. Um, she said, love this show. Always keeps me interested and always look forward to new episodes. That's so sweet. That's very sweet, and we have yet to listen to their podcast, so we have to get on that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make sure to do our due diligence and yes. check you out. Thank you, Tabby. We love the support. That's very, very nice of you. Seriously. Um, and then our last iTunes review, uh, the title says, So Fun, and this is from Sarah at The Circle Opens, because she found us through the podcast, Take Three, a movie podcast. Woo-hoo! So it's just so cool that, like, Nick and Jordan have connected us to this podcast as well. And it's an amazing um, week-by-week adventure through Stephen King's The Stand. Which gross. Gross. <laughs> more relevant than ever right now. <laughs> I'm so scared. That's, that's, I wonder what she's saying in her recent episodes. So she just had one come out two days ago that I have yet to listen to because uh-huh. I no longer have a commute because right. I work from home. So I'm, I'm excited to listen to it tomorrow and just see, see what her takes are on um, everything that's going on in the news world. And then chapter, I think she's on, I believe, 45 right now uh, of book two of The Stand. So thank you, Sarah, just for, for telling us to keep up the great work and that she loves the premise and it's been fun listening to us explain movies from our own perspectives. 
Really nice. Very nice. So that's it for our reviews posted there, but we also did get a really sweet shout-out on Twitter from Good Trash Media. Mm-hmm. And we just want to say what's up, and thank you so much for listening. Yeah, they're very sweet. They've been uh, liking all of our things on Twitter and giving us little shout-outs, and they... they I just thought this was so fun, because usually we're throwing these into the void just for ourselves, but yeah. um, I did like a little... When we made our top 10 movies of the year list, I did emojis for our cumulative top 10, like Mm -hmm. mathematically what our three of us top 10 was together. I did little emojis for each one, and they played the whole game. That's so nice. Like, trying until they got them all right. I thought that was so fun. Some of them were really hard, too. Some of them were hard, yeah. It's just so nice to connect with people and know that we're not the only people listening to this. Yeah. (laughs) But even Uh, if we were, I would still do it. All (laughs) righty. The Bernard Pivot questionnaire. Question number one. What is your favorite word? All right. My favorite word that I chose for this is visceral. Nice. And I, I think I say it a lot on this podcast. I've heard and you say it. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I, like, realized what this word was, it just put a word to a feeling that I had mm. experienced many times, like, you know, watching movies, to be honest. Excellent, yeah. You know, why is this... What's happening on screen affecting me in like a tangible way, mm-hmm. and I, I realized that the word for that is visceral. I think it captures what I'm trying to convey so well. So that's why I say it so much. That's like a good it. one. Yeah. Do you want to go next? Sure. You know what's funny is I actually I had a, this was the one that I did last because I had a really hard time with it, and I put a different word that was kind of funny, and this one is funny too. But when you said your word. A word came to my mind. I saw you change it. You started writing. And so writing. I changed it because oh. currently at this moment in my life, I say this word a lot and that's spicy. <laughs> that's your favorite word? <laughs> right now, that's my favorite word. Like a positive word, you know? Yeah. Because I, I, my first reaction was to go, that's spicy. And then I was like, I'm changing my word to spicy. <laughs> <laughs> so spicy. What was your word before? I gotta know now. It was dodgy. Oh. (laughs) Because the first time I heard that word, I thought that was so funny, and I was like, I'm gonna use that all the time. (laughs) Big dodgy, am I right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I said this to these two gals when I asked them if we could do the Bernard Pivo questionnaire, is that I've been doing this questionnaire Mm. since about 2008, every couple years, I write down my answers to it, just to see how they've changed and to see what I used to be like, because 16-year-old me was like, oh, favorite word? Whoa. <laughs> whoa. 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 Not like that. Instead, more just like, whoa. Like, wow, we're really out here, aren't oh we? My um, <laughs> Life really is happening around me. Life is. Like, this is a One Tree Hill episode. Um, and since then, my answer has changed, as have I. <laughs> and, uh, it's actually been this word for... Metamorphosis. <laughs> for quite a few years. It's not that. Shut up. My favorite word is... Ironic. Nice. I love the that sound is a it good makes. Word. I I love it. You get to use it so sparingly because not everything is ironic that people think is ironic. Mm. And I like it when you do find something that has irony. I think irony in itself is hysterical. It's like, a very crazy concept. Yeah. And that Alanis Morissette song slaps. What is your least favorite word? Okay. I'm gonna go first because maybe someone else has it. I like don't even want to say it. It makes me upset. Mm-hmm. It's squirt. It's the oh, worst uh- word. <laughs> So you're not a fan of the soda? I mean, me just saying it now. I'm just trying to explain why I think that that's 
visceral reaction when you heard <laughs> That's what that. I was say. My mind immediately went to that cute turtle from Finding Nemo. Shut up. <laughs> Come on, vaginas. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, I just hate it. I don't. That's probably the last time I'll say it in my whole life. Yeah, I don't want to say mine either. <laughs> I'm wondering if, if all of them are going to be sexual. I feel no. like they are. No, I didn't pick a word that I, I didn't pick a word. I thought about picking a word that I didn't like because of the way it sounds and what it, you know, but I didn't. Okay. I'll say mine. I don't want to. Can I spell it? <laughs> no, you have to say it. I don't want to. It's tender. You don't like the word tender? It's disgusting. Oh. I have zero problems with that word. Oh, I have such a problem with it. (laughs) Is it like badly associated with something in your mind? Meat. Oh. No, that's totally what I was picturing is like raw meat. Raw meat. When people talk about how they like, they pound the meat. (laughs) (laughs) When they pound the tender meat. (laughs) But then also like, I just don't want like. Like, my nightmare is to for someone to call me, like, a tender lover. <laughs> like, while they're inside you, and then you go, we're done here. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. I don't think that this questionnaire was going to get like this. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> No, I just think that both of those words are a bummer. I know. I'm crying. Okay. I'm ready. Sorry. Good yeah. You. No, that's about it. I think it's it's gross. That was and a good choice. Yeah. I don't think I'll use that word anymore. Either. I'll only think of this. Um, All right, Kimmy, what's yours? Okay, so the the word I picked for this. It's not that I don't like saying the word or anything. I'll just say it. Um, I, I picked awkward. Oh. I just think that it's a, it's a poor excuse for, oh, this is awkward. Like, you know, do something, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of like how all the kids used to say random. Yeah. Oh. Like, I think, you know, awkward. I, I just think it's like, I think it's a bad excuse for a state of being. Mm. It's like, overused. It, yeah, that's, it is overused. And I, I, if you're feeling like you're in an awkward situation... Maybe you should leave said situation or just, like, I don't know, open yourself up. It's so easy to get out of that state of being. You know, I don't think that it's something that people should worry about. I don't know. I find the phrase that's very cliche, I find it very true. It's only awkward if you make it awkward. Okay, question number three. What turns you on? And this can be creatively spiritually or emotionally i'm sorry i took this question to mean all three of those collectively oh oh, i mean so when i tried answering it i was like does it turn me on in that way that way and that way and i think i think i could argue yes in any way i mean spiritually is like a really hard way i can go first okay um my answer is humor making light of situations i just think that that's what i need as a person to like get through stuff but Mm -hmm. also i am the most turned on creatively like i am ready to like write that screenplay whenever I see a movie that takes like a certain situation but adds lightness to it and Ah, adds humor to it and definitely just like with significant others like as soon as I they do something goofy or funny I'm like yes Mm -hmm. that's what I was looking for all along um so I, I would say definitely humor is something that the spiritual side of it is like hard because I don't like find myself one with the universe when it's like I watch 30 Rock but then again maybe I do (laughs) but maybe when I watch the good place 
office. <gasps> right? But then maybe, like, with yeah. The Office, nothing brings me more joy than those, like, 3 piano notes where I'm just like, oh, oh suddenly, yeah. oh, the endorphins, oh, it's all fine, oh my gosh, the serotonin, it's yeah. hit me, I've got it. Yeah. So Better than yeah. a drug. Do-do-do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The greatest next? drug there is. Me next? Me next? Um, so... <laughs> If I just say the two words I wrote down, you're going to say the name of an author because that's the short version of it. But I mean this in a grand scheme. I wrote philosophical fiction. And by that I mean writing... Specifically, I find it very attractive when I read something somebody wrote and it shows me the world through a different pair of eyes. Mm -hmm. Because... Like, when we took creative writing in college, that's kind of how I felt by certain stories. It's like, holy crap, you can read a story, it remind, in a way can remind you nothing of the person who wrote it, and I find that so fascinating. Like, in the same way that just art can set you free, acting or singing or writing or anything. But I'm particularly attracted to a story that's about one thing, like a, you know, a linear story, even if it's not linear, but you know what I mean, like a fictional, made-up, fun story, but then underneath it, the point is to show you the world through a different Mm -hmm. lens, rather than just being a story or just being philosophy. And I do like it when they bring in other kind of zeitgeisty things, where all of a sudden you you find out about something. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you want to go in, like, Wikipedia something after it was said by an author. I love that. And I just really like having conversations that are what if conversations. Mm -hmm. I think that's so fun. And some people aren't into that, but I think that's just fascinating. But you're a sucker for the hypothetical and pretentious? That's what they say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, what turns me on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally is vulnerability. Which, when I wrote it down, I was like, yeah, obviously. (laughs) I'm an emotional being, but like... I, I just think I love and crave intimacy and depth with people. And so when that appears in, like, art or, mm. or you know, like a movie or a painting, like some kind of vulnerability and, and depth to character is revealed, it just really awakens something in me. I think that that's true emotionally as well, obviously. And, like, you know, for a significant other, that's, mm-hmm. like, the prime gift that you can give somebody is your vulnerability you know? That's when you have a real relationship with somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What turns you off, creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? I, I wrote two for this, but I guess they go hand in hand, if that's okay. Like, arrogance and narcissism. Ooh, very close to my is that answer. What you wrote? Oh arrogance. my god, what is yours? Oh my god, they're pretty much all the same answer. Like, yeah. I don't care how passionate you are. If, you, if you're passionate about something... That you're and you're self involved and yeah. self important and just so into yourself about it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care what the fuck your art yeah. is. You're a douchebag. Or not even art, life. Yeah. <laughs> if that's how you're gonna go through things, and it 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 comes to a point too where it's it's suddenly I don't know. Like in the worst cases, it can be vindictive or it yeah. can be really gaslighty or it can just be like over the top. And I don't like being told that I'm stupid or I don't mm. like being told that I'm wrong or I don't like being told that I'm lesser. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a big thing of. Of arrogance is to, yeah. to put yourself up on your high horse and so, put people so down. The, the sentence that I wrote, which is more like an example of arrogance, is stating your creative opinions as fact. Oh. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that's just, that's like an example of it, is yeah. when you're arrogant and you're analyzing, say, a script or say, a movie or just having a discussion. Yeah. <laughs> when you talk to me like it's a debate, 
what is the point? Like, why, why can't we just talk about our opinions and have a thought, like, thought-provoking discussion? But mm. if you're gonna say, no, it's this way, it's like, well, then why was the art even created? Mm-hmm. True. <laughs> That's also something I just need to personally work on. I don't do that, but I do have a problem with it when I hear people's opinions, I suddenly think it's fact and that they're attacking me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's your opinion, I guess mine's wrong. Yeah, like, yeah. that's uh, that's something I need to, I need to, to work through. <laughs> but uh, there are people out there who do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who, who do want to put you down and make you feel lesser because of uh, their entitlement or their own ideas and... I think we all know people that we went to college with. <laughs> it was like my least favorite thing when someone talks about something that they're passionate about it in a way that they're trying to connect with other people, but you know it's just for for them self righteous, mm-hmm. like self important yeah. reasons. And I'm like, yeah, you are really turning me off from whatever probably great thing that you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Or they try mm-hmm. to like spout past projects, yeah. like for why they know what they're talking about. Yeah. I love that we all have the same thing. Be one with the gals. Yeah. Question number five. What is your favorite curse word? So I'd like to go first. Damn it. And it's because <laughs> when we were filling out what's your favorite word, Courtney made a joke that I should huh. say tit mouse. God damn it. My favorite curse word is titty. <laughs> because That's true, though. <laughs> you say it a lot. I use it, it. Again, this is more of like a current one, you know. Right now in my life, I just really like to use it. It can be tit it can be titty. <laughs> I invented tit mouse. It can be anything you want. You know what I'm saying? Tit mouse is a real thing. <laughs> I can say. Yes, yeah, but I invented it for cursing. Did you say tit mouse is a real thing? That's it's like a, a type it's of a mouse. Bird. Oh, it's I thought a bird. it was like a mouse. Oh my god, it's a species. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew it was a species. I thought it was a real mouse. <laughs> a mouse is called a tit. It's mouse. a bird. Oh well. Oh my god. I thought it was a mouse. What kind of fri- funny freaking like? scientist was like, I'm going to name this thing a tit mouse. I don't know, but he's cute. Oh, he is cute. Oh, he's blue. Oh, he's cute. I don't know. Not as cute as a mouse. You know I think they have ones too where it's like the red tit mouse. <laughs> <laughs> or, oh, there's also like, isn't there blue, blue-footed titty? That's a blue-footed booby. Blue-footed <laughs> booby. <laughs> Um, I also like where in the titties did I put that? Yeah, yeah you do say that a lot. <laughs> well, my my favorite curse word is fuck. Same. I, I love it. I yeah. mean, it's a classic. <laughs> I love it. And I remember, I remember this is like a really hard like childhood memory that I have. I went to my mom and I was just like really in like an angsty funk. And How I was old like, were you? Sixth grade. Oh, okay. I was like, mom, I'm just like. Something is just writhing inside of me, and I just need to tell you about it. And she was like, what? I was like, I just know so many curse words. I know them, but I can't say them. We had very different childhoods. You know, like, what do I do? And she's like, well, maybe you should tell me what what they are. I, I give you license to say them. That's so nice of her. I know. But anyways, like, just ever since I, like, gave myself permission to just curse and be... <laughs> I was 12 years old. You know, <laughs> no, not that day, but just, like, in my adult life, I mm. guess, you know. Yeah. It's fuck, man. I just love saying it. Yeah. I'm gonna shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> and since then, you know, my mom has listened to an episode of the podcast and been like, I wish you wouldn't say fuck so much. My mom said the same <laughs> thing. Hi, mom. <laughs> I'm like, there's nothing with a woman cussing, you know? Just fuck everybody. (laughs) 
Jesus. To get, so that we don't have the same answers two times in a row, I'll say that my favorite version of it, or iteration of it, because I never get to use it, but it slaps is fuck ass. Ooh, fuck I ass. wish I could use that. I was gonna guess fuck bag. I really like that oh, one. Oh, there's just, like, no reason to, like, because I feel like as soon as you say that, you're suddenly, like, it seems infantile. It's yeah, not yeah. as strong. It doesn't have the weight you wish it would. Yeah. But fuck ass is the funniest thing I've ever mm-hmm. heard. That is true. Yeah, so I think that's a good version that of it. That is a good version. And then, I mean, the one that I would say the most would be, yeah, just fuck or fucking. Fucking, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Kayleen has said yours, you've said yours, I've said mine. I will to- I will totally go first for this next one. What oh. sound or noise do you love? Motherfucking bagpipes, bitch! Wow. Oh. I love bagpipes so much. They are emotional and, like, full. Yes, I love me a good bagpipe. I wish that every song in existence was covered on bagpipes. Mm. I want bagpipes at my wedding. I want bagpipes at my funeral. I want bagpipes every day. Uh, I feel alive. Bagpipes. Um, mine's pretty basic, but it's true and fitting to things I like in life. I put ocean waves. Really? I love the ocean, and I like the way that it sounds, because it makes me feel free. I picked string instruments, like violins and cellos. I like that. I love those. You know, of course, guitars. Like, if someone's, like, ripping a gnarly guitar solo, (laughs) like, I just want to, like, yell. Ooh, an acoustic guitar solo that's gnarly. (laughs) You know, this isn't the sound that I picked, but speaking of that, I love when someone's playing a guitar and you hear the sound of, like, the... Like, oh, when oh, you're yeah. sliding your fingers yeah. down? Yeah. Oof, that's the best part. Mm-hmm. Just like, and, and like, th- this is really um, also associated with, like, orchestral music. Like, when you've got a fucking cello in there, like, mm, yeah, that's damn sexy. You are a big orchestra person. I am, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? I, I hate the Amber Alert noise. Oh. oh, okay. I, I, I hate yeah, it. Terrifying. Mine's similar. I hate because it reminds you of the time you got punked. Yes. Um. <laughs> I mean, I also put sirens in here, but I thought that that it was pretty similar. Yeah. Kimmy, you and I had such similar answers. Really? I wrote purge sirens. <laughs> like that's okay. pretty much the so same. Yeah. All like I think I told this. My coworkers essentially tricked me into thinking that there was a nuke attack. I know it sounds far-fetched, <laughs> but they did a really good job. Yeah. And one of the things they did to make it sound really realistic was put on, like, a World War II siren. And it was, like, echoing in our large-ass mm-hmm. hangar that we work at. It was horrible. It was horrible, and it makes your hair stand on end, just like the Amber Alert noise yeah. that, like, collectively all Apple iPhones do at slightly deranged pitches. Yeah. All no, at the that's same the worst part of it. At three in the morning. Yeah. yeah. If I you're in public especially, you just hear all of them, and you're like, guess the world is over. I know. I hate it. I think yeah. I just hate it because, you know, it's called an Amber Alert. It definitely makes me alert, but it just... <laughs> means, like, imminent danger. Yeah. You can turn them off, you know. Good. I'm gonna find out how to fucking do that. <laughs> I'm surprised really you easy. haven't looked earlier. I mean, I, I, I have, didn't think we got a choice. <laughs> no, you can turn them off because, and, and I do turn them off because I know the only way that I'm going to help is when I'm on the freeway, and I kind of get, like, this stupid, giddy feeling of, like, maybe I'm a hero <laughs> when I'm driving on the freeway because I pa- I have a very, very long commute, and I drive past all those freeway signs, yeah. and they, they constantly are like, Amber Alert, be on the lookout for this make and model and this yeah. license plate, and I'm like, you fucking bet I will, and <laughs> I seriously am just like, silver, 7BGSYK, got it, got it, got it, got it, <laughs> like, 
and I'm like, you're like driving. baby drivering around. The I really am, and I'm like, where is that car? And I think I'm gonna find it, and I never do, so I don't need someone screaming at me at three in the morning when I'm no help. Honestly, Courtney, you will find them one day. Yeah, you will. <laughs> you vigilant vigilante. Just <laughs> doing it. Thank you. Vigilant. That's a good word. So was that your answer? What was your answer? Purge sirens. Purge sirens. <laughs> Yeah. I think they're fun when you're watching the movie, but if I ever heard those in real life, I'd probably die on the spot. <laughs> is, that, is that the same thing as the World War II siren? Kind of, yeah. Ex- oh. Oh. Wait, yeah. I hate it! The World War II horrible. sirens are pretty notorious. Uh, mine, again, stereotypical answer, but it's very true, is chalkboard. I knew. Anything yeah, I chalkboard. Say it. I don't like chalkboards. I never have. <laughs> so, yeah, chalkboards have always bothered me, and then just anything made of that material makes me want to die. Like, or similar. Like, for example, I have this Starbucks cup of mine. It's a cold, like, grande size reusable cup, and it came with a metal straw. So it's like metal on metal. Yeah. And so if you drink, you, like, can't let it touch the bottom or you die. And so I bought a new straw for it because I was like, I can't use this beautiful cup. It makes me want to (laughs) cry. I don't like touching it. I don't like hearing it. Question eight. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I feel stupid because I wrote an answer and then realized that I do that for a living. So. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful, was it? I, I, I literally was like, ooh, so exciting. Someday, Someday I hope to be a professor. And it's like, I'm a teacher. Oh, I know. Is that that different? Right. Oh, so well, I didn't. I, mean, I didn't know if you guys would debate me on it. Well, if you want to keep it, I mean, well, what type of professor? Like when we did our Mulholland Drive, you said yeah. that'd be cool to be a film professor. So I wrote day. down film, linguistics, English. I was well. I was just gonna say, would you ever teach ASL? I would love to. I applied yeah. for a job actually teaching ASL. The, it wasn't it like both. Yeah, it was yeah. an ASL and. Um, English teaching position. I hope that I could do that. However, I just think professor is the kind of um, esteem that I would like to reach because I would love to have a master's degree in Mm -hmm. in any of those subjects and I would love to get to talk to students about those things and definitely students of like a high level at like a university. Mm -hmm. I think that'd be amazing. I just like... all want to be there to learn about that very thing. Exactly. Like fantasizing about what a film class would be like. I Mm -hmm. mean, even at a community college level, I think is really interesting because you get to introduce people to so much stuff. Mm -hmm. Linguistics wise, like I definitely have a fantasy or a dream of mine of someday writing um, a dissertation about how films affect the way we use language and I think it'd be cool to like marry those two things together yeah because we do like don't you guys think that your language and the way that you communicate alters once you watch a movie being a professor would be dope if you guys don't like that answer but I mean it sounds like you do it's just it's not as far out of my wheelhouse as something else could be kind of like why I didn't pick like director or something because I would love to be a film director but I'm already like a theater director I picked P.I. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Because Veronica sick. Mars does. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met me? Have you met me? What do you think I based most of my life on? Why do you think I went to San Diego State? Oh my god. <laughs> Literally. Why do, why do you think I want to teach at Oceanside High? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Veronica Mars, cool. PI. I think that'd be dope. I'd be terrible at it. <laughs> I would cry on the spot. Aww. But um, I think it'd be cool. My answer, a profession that I would want to attempt other than my current one is a therapist. <gasps> nice. Oh, yeah. When I first entered college, I thought about changing my major to psychology. That's um, we took that psych class together without yeah. knowing each other, yeah, but yeah. I loved that class. Yeah, I'm not a super sciencey person, so it wasn't really my game, but 
I, I do like the idea of being able to help people just by talking to them. Yeah. I think I, I think I can identify emotions very well, and I think that I can relate to many people, and I think those would be helpful traits to be as a therapist. You have the temperament for that. Yeah, yeah. therapy, maybe. <laughs> so the answer that I wrote down is swim instructor, because... Aww. I'm really? like, <laughs> why is Kimmy acting like she's always known this about you? Kimmy's like, oh, that suits I you. I know that she loves the water. I'm just saying that because some of my like really colorful memories as a kid are from my swim instructors. Very on par with the ocean thing is I've just always loved the water. And I felt like as a kid, I was really good at it. And it, it was never something that I tried to, I was never on like the swim team or anything like yeah. that, but I was just obsessed with the water. Okay. And obviously that kind of tapers as an adult, but I still love the water and have like a very big fondness for it. And I think that would be cool because, like, say I were to ever be some kind of a teacher, then I, during summers I could be a swim instructor. Like, mm-hmm. that could be something that I do on the side. Mm-hmm. You I think should. That'd be really fun. You should do all those things. All those things. Shorter answer, I think, because it's like, boom, nope, nope, nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yes. Question nine, what profession other than your own would you not like to attempt? My answer has been the same for over a decade. I will never, ever, ever... Work in a slaughterhouse. Oh. oh. I, I could not. No. That's pretty bad. Never. I could <laughs> I not do that. I didn't think about it too. Like, I didn't pick, like, yeah, you know, yeah. porta potty cleaner. <laughs> exactly. Like, I feel cheap for saying it because no, it's, it's like, okay. well, who yeah. would? But does people do? Yes. Yeah, people sure. do. So I don't know. I mean, someone has to. Yeah. Yeah. Can't do that. Uh, my answer is telemarketer. I actually once came very close to doing it and I said, you know what? Second thought, that sounds terrible. No, thank you. <laughs> so, it just... They get a lot of abuse. All, oh, all you do is call people who don't want you there, and you just have to, like, keep them on the phone, or get them to buy your thing, or just horrible. All day, guess, yeah. you do the same thing, and no one wants you there. Obviously, telemarketing's there for a reason, but mostly people just hang up on you, or they, like, cuss at you, or they... It's horrible. Yeah. Uh, I would never want to be a lawyer. that's funny because both of my parents are lawyers and I know that we need them and they're a very essential occupation Um, but being so close to it I know that if you want a lawyer it's because you've been wronged and you want monetary compensation yeah but the problem is if you've truly been wronged no amount of money is ever going to make you happy so dealing with clients like that it's like there's really no means to an end there it's just that at what point are you going to you know be done with me. Yeah. You know, um, it's just, it's a really upsetting, paper-pushing, um, demanding job that is very profitable, very lucrative, but I just want no part in it ever for the rest of my life. That's very true. Thank you so much if you're still listening to this, because it feels long, but uh, the Bernard Pivot questionnaire demands attention. Yeah, especially because there's three of us, so. Yeah. So, and this is really, I mean, the reviews section was so short. This is really our only game. This is our only game for the day. Which brings us to our final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I feel like one of us is going to cry. I think it's going to be Kimmy, so <laughs> maybe she should go first. You want to go first? Yeah, I'm feeling not so cryy right now. So okay. You cried while writing it down. I know, because, <laughs> because I was like, man, this is a hard question. But when I thought of the answer, I was like, that is what I would want to hear. Uh-oh. <laughs> She's already crying. <laughs> I... <laughs> God damn it. You can't say that. You're going Sorry. to heaven. Um, 
I would like God to say, your sister's coming right behind you. Oh, Kimmy. Because. <laughs> That's such a sweet answer. <laughs> it is, You're going to make your sister cry. Probably. Sorry, Jesse. Um, it's just that she's my best friend and we talk about death a lot and I just don't know what I would be able to do without her. So, and I hear those stories a lot about, you know, people who are really close when they die, the person that loves them very much can't go on for much longer. So they get to kind of go together and I just don't want to be alone. Oh, that's (laughs) a very sweet answer. (laughs) That's my answer. I can go next because I'm honestly shocked, Kimmy. You and I have very similar answers to a lot of things. I'm, like, really surprised. Because um, we're best friends. <laughs> Apparently not. Jesse's your best friend. I was going to say, it's Courtney's. I hope Kimmy's right behind me. <laughs> <laughs> no, mine's definitely more vague. Um, and I actually wrote down two possible answers because it's one or the other. So I, he's either going to say one or the other. Oh. I said either they've been waiting for you or they'll be here soon. Oh. Yeah, I would for sure want to know who's there to meet me and I would want to know that either I am the the last of a very long line of people that mm-hmm. I, I desperately have been missing this whole time on earth or if it was I it was too soon for me that they'll be here soon because in comparison to eternity, it's not going to be that long and I'll get to be reunited with them again soon. Oh god, this is too emotional. Sorry, uh. but that goes for you guys, that goes for my family and oh. um it certainly goes for Kiki, because yeah. I, I cannot wait to... S- <laughs> She's not dead yet, and I already miss her. <laughs> I already miss her so much. She's just another room. <laughs> it's too far. I need her. <laughs> Mine is also sad, but in a different way. It's, I'm proud of you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's self-explanatory. <laughs> I just need reassurance that I'm doing a good job. <laughs> Please so validate me, God. <laughs> Thank you so much for answering that, guys. That was fun. Like, that was a really cool bonding experience. That was very nice. I feel much closer to you, almost like you're my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Almost. Almost like we're breaking the social distancing for each other. Uh, I guess I go first. Yeah, first up is Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch. You're gonna go first and second, so just prepare for that. I have now seen Sucker Punch. Fun time. I ended up rating it exactly what I gave it as someone who had not seen it. Sure, it's like a solid three out of five stars because why not? I like when that happens because it makes mm-hmm. me feel like we did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you definitely did. Uh, really, the only shortcomings for it were things that we had poked fun at in recording the episode of, gee, how many times am I going to watch this old man go and another thing? <laughs> right. Oh, and one last thing and hey, maybe you should try to. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Um, here are my thoughts on Sucker Punch. The opening sequence was the most amazing thing ever. I loved it. Of course you did, because it's like Repo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But right out the gate, I have a very controversial opinion. Ooh. Wow. I'm ready. Scared. You guys ready? <laughs> yeah. I do not think Baby Doll killed her sister. Hmm. They showed the bullet hitting the light that was above her sister. And then her sister is on the ground simply bleeding. And I know a big part for that was that they didn't want to have, like, a, a more than a PG-13 rating of showing yeah. the violence. So it was like, she shoots the gun, then the next shot we see is just a sister, like, bleeding on the ground. Yeah. It looked like the stepdad had killed her. And Baby Doll had walked in on her body already dying. 
Um, just from watching it and anticipating, really, I expected okay. it to be, like, gunshot straight to her face. Dead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, she shoots, and it, it hits a light bulb that's above, like, on the ceiling, so how does the bullet then hit someone way down there? Uh, so... That's a cool theory. Wow. Hot take. Hot take. Basically My, saying he blamed it on her. Bla- basically yeah. saying that he killed and, the baby sister, and then yeah. she just stumbled upon it, but had already fired off a gun, and bada-bing, bada-boom, you're now... Looney Tunes. Yeah. And yeah. She, may, she maybe she doesn't know that she's not guilty. I, th- yep. I still think she assumes the guilt for it either way. No, I she mean, does, but yeah. she did not kill her, I don't think. Did yeah. you look it up and see if anyone else has these no. sentiments? No. I would rather just, like, live in my own mind. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. Because I watched it, and I did not care to go watch Reddit confirm it yeah, or yeah. deny it. Sure. Um, and have someone be like, here's the evidence on why you're wrong. I just didn't care. I was, yeah. like, watching it, I was like, oh, cool. Because either way, Baby Doll's going to assume the guilt for it, right. and either way, she's going to end up in this institution. I just thought it was cool because I don't think she killed her. That's interesting. Uh, my next note is that Baby Doll is a badass. Love her. She is just just from that whole opening sequence of her, mm-hmm. like, bursting out of her bedroom, climbing down a drain pipe, sneaking back up into the house. Uh, I really thought that she was a cool character from the get-go. The opening sequence was amazing, like I said. And later, you guys really described a great shot of the stepdad on one side of her face, and ah. that switches to blue on the other side was of her face. Was that how you pictured it? Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it came across really well, and also very comic booky and mm-hmm. very stylized. I liked that. At one point, there was a line, while she is in the institution, where they're like, what's she gonna be? Like, a lobotomized vegetable? Come on! And I was like, yeah, my thoughts exactly. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> Again, my notes are sparse, so they're just kind of all over the place, but my next note is, yeah, this is a bangin' soundtrack. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Every little bit. And also, I ship Rocket and Baby Doll. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Because Jenna Malone in this role is so soft and sweet. She's very innocent. And it's so different from, like, a Joanna Mason in The Hunger Games, or her role in, like, Nocturnal Animals, where it's or just, Neon like... Demon. Yes, or Neon Demon, obviously, where it's, like, on the attack, on Mm -hmm. the defensive, flippant, and I don't care. She's actually very innocent and cute and just wanting to escape, and I really, really was rooting for her and Baby Doll, especially. Um, I thought they were a cute couple. That is cute. Yes. Um... (laughs) I wrote down a literal quote from Madame Gorski. Because Kimmy, her accent was on point. Yeah. <laughs> she flat out went, one, two, three, four. <laughs> and you, like, wrote it out phonetically? I wrote it out phonetically. And then she goes, sweet pea, take break. <laughs> I said that. Yeah, go take break. <laughs> and it had me dying. I thought it was the funniest thing. <laughs> That brings me so much happiness. Wow. Yeah, it was excessive and over the top, but you were you were right on the money with that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, in terms of other characters, the old man sounded exactly, exactly like Nicolas Cage. (laughs) There is no difference between their voices, and then he looks like Clint Eastwood, and I was like, yeah. What am I watching right now? That was my hot take, and I could not stop thinking about either of those two men every time he was on screen. I could see both. In terms of the effects and other things, I'll have more to say, but um, just right away from the first simulation, if you want to call it that, or just the first task, I thought that those big giant samurai faces looked real dumb. Ah. Mm. Um, but I absolutely loved that she shot out its eyes. 
because it's like she lobotomized all of her victims and all of her nemeses because she did that again and again. Right away, she starts and she shoots out the samurai's eye, and I just was like picking up because I know it's because having seen the movie in a way through you guys, I was like, aha, lobotomies. Well, that's cool. Got it, and that was really cool. Um, I don't remember you guys talking in the second task about how the World War One sequence had zombies. Oh yeah, I don't think we did. Okay, no, yeah, World War One zombies <laughs> loved that. They were like, the old man was like, "Here's another thing. Yeah. They're back from the dead." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, are they?" <laughs> um, so that was dope. I really enjoyed that. But I can only care about chaotic action sequences for so long. Yeah, very true. I I got so bored. That could be my entire letterbox review. Yes, <laughs> it can't go on forever, yeah. and yet it did. Yeah, so so by the World War One sequence, I was like, ha, I get it. I loved her sword slicing away of all the bullets that were coming her way. Mm. I think that's just such a fun thing that is thrown into a lot of movies mm. of, like, I'm that good, I can just move my maneuver my sword and slice away different bullets that are coming at me. But um, when it came to, like, the third action sequence, yeah, I was, I was still pretty bummed about that baby dragon. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Really displeased. (laughs) And then the mother dragon mournfully whines over her baby's corpse. (laughs) And how am I supposed to be on anybody's side at this point? To be fair, when we watched it, I remember being like, oh, she killed the dragon. But then you find out it's a baby, and it's like, uh, well, like, they say it, but you don't, like, you're looking at it, and you're like, that's a full-size dragon. And you see the mom, and you're like, hey! (laughs) I was very upset. To be honest, going into it, I remembered that part being sad, and then when I watched it, I realized it wasn't as sad as I had imagined, (laughs) so maybe that's why I left it out. It was sadder than I imagined. (laughs) Did not expect her to weep over her lost child. (laughs) And then it just, the action like really took a toll on me because I was like, I have watched three sequences now that have the same pace and the same arc and then they all end in literally the same way. And just knowing, um, I feel like I talked about this rounds and rounds ago on the pod about how it's hard for me when I'm watching something to know the timeline of a movie, like... Like acts. When it's an acts. Um, the favorite doesn't bother me because I don't know how many acts there's yeah. gonna be, but when it's like act blank of blank, or when you know that it's like moment this of yeah. this, so item this of this, just knowing that they need five items and I'm like on item three, I'm like, when does it end? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm two more items worth. I don't know how long that's going to be. Maybe I didn't say that when we talked about it, but maybe that is part of my issue with it. Maybe. It's just feeling like it gets mundane after a while. Because they're they're doing their best to have different scenarios yeah. and different scenes taking place, but by the end of it, it's, it's still, oh, big scary thing, kill it, get item. Mm-hmm. And so my, my big note on that is actually I think a movie like Endgame really improves upon this idea. Mm. We're going after these specific Infinity Stones, but they do a great job of making them all take place at once. That is mm. very true. Right? Yeah. It's it's all these Infinity Stones, and we're cutting back and forth to each one. That is so right? interesting. <laughs> because I'm Courtney. not bored then. Instead, I'm just like, oh yeah, get that stone. Yeah. Oh wait, now we're coming. And it's just, it's great, because the Time Stone is in one place, the Space Stone is yeah. in another, and we're just kind of asking for all of them at once, but we can't have them all at once, as opposed to like... Imagine how bad Endgame would be if it was like, first go yeah. get this one, then go get this one. Can you yeah. imagine if 
all the Avengers went to go talk to the chick on the rooftop, the Doctor Strange chick. Seriously, can and then you imagine? all the Avengers went, and they're like, Tony, stop talking to your dad. <laughs> then all the Avengers went, and they was like, okay, we should still kill Natasha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd be really mean. <laughs> I think Bruce would die if they had all gone. Or... Yeah, he'd be like, get out of my way. I'm yeah, like, he would be like... No, but she'd be like, the sun's getting real low, and then he would break into me. And he would be like, that's not me anymore. <laughs> Come yeah. on, this isn't Avengers 1 Hulk. He wouldn't go, I'm always angry. Because if you think about Endgame later, he's just like, I was born for this. And he like puts on the glove. I don't know. Or yeah. they would sacrifice someone they don't care about, but then it wouldn't work. Because like, it's like, none you... of you love Nebula. <laughs> Oh no! Like oh, he talked out of the side of your mouth and to do Mark Ruffalo. Hey, that's what he does. <laughs> I know. Can you? It's like I was born for this. <laughs> Anyways, Avengers Endgame soups improves upon that. Uh, nearing the end of this, I really enjoyed it. I, I I was down for the production design. I was down for the overall style of it. My big takeaway, though, that was a negative, was just the narration. Uh, For me, it felt way too on the nose, and maybe it's because I knew what was coming to begin with and stuff, but it it all just was very, like, if you ever wanted to be strong, here's how, and then it it, it was all listed out there for me, and that was just a bit, it was a bit too much, especially because it does not end on a positive note, unless I was supposed to care about Sweet Pea the whole time, and Sweet Pea was the protagonist, but we know Baby Doll to be that, and Baby Doll's life sucks. Hold on, hold on. I'm so glad that you brought this up because I actually forgot to mention something. So, there's some debate as to whether or not Baby Doll is even the protagonist. Yeah. Um, There's some evidence within the film to suggest specifically that Sweet Pea is the protagonist. Um, More pointedly, she says in the film, I'm the star of the show. Interesting. and um, but, it, but it's like, yes, and that is very, it is interesting to think, oh, this whole time it was about Sweet Pea, but it's like, there's still conventions of film that are telling mm-hmm. me as a viewer, like, watch Baby Doll. Exactly. And then when it ends up being someone else's story, I kind of wondered, do I care? That makes, that's a very interesting take on it, too, because it's like, at what point am I supposed to shift? Because, like you guys did say in your explanation, Baby Doll doesn't speak until about 20 minutes in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really and interesting. Sweet Pea too. obviously speaks before then. S- Sweet Pea does speak before then. Um, I yeah. think it was an, in, an interesting uh, storytelling choice that probably wasn't executed very well. It know? also just sounds kind of like a like an internet hot take of mm-hmm. like, actually, it was this. Actually, Baby Doll didn't kill her sister. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. those are my thoughts on Sucker Punch. Cool. Glad I finally cool. saw it. Really, yeah. really bad. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's on to me again. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> to talk about the first half of 12 Monkeys, because I sadly did not finish it before today. I would like to know how far you got before you start. I got to your halfway point. Oh, you did? So, oh, that's pretty point. far. Yeah, it is pretty far. And I will finish it, but I do think that I am just going to say, like, more condensed things about yeah. it, because I've got, what, like, five notes on my phone? <laughs> I mean, most of my questions were about the acting, which you'll... You get before the halfway point. And, and I'll touch upon those, yeah. too. Um, even though it's funny, I have very few notes on the acting. <laughs> I have more notes on other things, such cool. as, again with Sucker Punch, love the title sequence for this one. Mm. Thought it was dope. Uh, you did an excellent job of describing how the soundtrack would oh, be played throughout it. 
And then it was even kind of cooler than I imagined. Mm-hmm. Of just, like, there's these rotating monkeys on the screen with, like, that fun circus music going on. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, as I suspected, absolutely hate the production design. <laughs> hate it more than any other movie. It's I love, disgusting. That was one of my favorite things in your review. You were like, I haven't seen it, but I hate the production design. I was right. Every yeah. bad thing that I pictured was there on the screen, and I did not care for it. I <laughs> hated their dumb bunker. Yeah. I hated watching him, like, travel in time, and then when we get to this future or present or yeah. past or whatever, it's hideous. You and know what it's it kind depressing. of reminds me of? At least the bunker is the production design of Waterworld, which I also don't like. Okay, fuck you. I love Waterworld. Kimmy does you love Waterworld. You like the production design of Waterworld? I love everything about Ooh, Waterworld. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Get out. Don't whoa. at me. Okay. You love Nets? <laughs> I you, love it. You love Kevin Costner? I love him in Waterworld. Oh, wow. Why? <laughs> I just love Waterworld. Why? I don't know, dude. It's Why? so sick. I like, really like the Universal Studios show. I love it, too. <laughs> I love the Universal Studios show, Yeah, I've seen that, like, too. three times and Every time I go back to watch it, I'm like, why am I here? The first time I, I saw it. it, I was like, I guess I'll become a stunt performer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want to be in the show. For sure. That's amazing. Uh, we're already nearing the end of my notes. <laughs> uh, I wrote, ew, spider bit. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? The big one where he eats a yeah. spider. It yeah. was... It was very poorly directed, in my opinion. First of all, the spider was giant. It was like a water spider. And it was ugly and huge. And it went on for this really long shot of, like, Bruce Willis, like, in a corner trying to, like, hide the spider from others. And, like, watching it walk around his hands for, like, a good 30 seconds. And then at the last second, he's like, nom, nom, nom. And, like, eats the spider. And meanwhile, this whole time, Brad Pitt is monologuing up a storm. And I was like, what am I watching? It was a lot. (laughs) Performance Um, art. No, it was too much. I'm not a fan of Beckett plays. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> what is this? Waiting for Cadell? Damn, he's got some theater school references. <laughs> Two people on the stage being stupid don't like it. <laughs> Anyways. Brad was so much twitchier than I envisioned. Ooh. His his whole thing was like partially someone in like a sped up music video where it's just kind of like you're constantly in the fish eye and you're like <laughs> oh that's interesting there was too much very 90s music yeah, video there was too much faux fish eye for me mm. like if you're watching like all star by smash mouth where they're constantly like screaming in your face yeah uh i didn't care for it but his acting was great i'm kind of sad that i didn't make it to the part of the movie where I'm wondering if in the years since 1990, where we first met Brad Pitt, to 96, mm. has he evened out a little bit when we see him with his ponytail, and is his life more together, or is he still just, like, chaotic? Yes and no, because one of my favorite scenes of his is post what you've seen. I might have described, but it also might have been cut, I really don't remember. Um, but basically, he's, like, talking to someone in that abandoned shop, yeah. and he's, like, kind of talking with his middle finger forward. Uh, and that I was thought, cut, yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was a very interesting choice and a very interesting scene where it's like, not only are you twitching with your hands a lot, but it's middle finger forward. Not Not to say you're flipping them off, but, like, it's just an interesting choice of... I don't know. So, no, he doesn't really get that much le- less twitchy. He just knows how to fake it till you make it. I think maybe just from your explanation, I didn't picture him being to this degree... And then, even if I had pictured that, maybe I imagined the 96 version of him being kind of more composed. Mm. And 
And, you know, he's kind of a red herring, and so it's like a surreptitious little villain totally. that you think is like, now suddenly it's, oh, I'm fine, daddy has fixed me, we're yeah. all good. Uh, I think he puts on a show for daddy and his friends. Interesting. My last two notes on this film, one is a negative and one is a positive. My negative is that the mental institution that they're in was way too over the top for me. Mm, it was ridiculous. It was like, we're so crazy! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we yell for no reason. It's the 90s mental institution. And I even think you said that. You were like, it's a 90s mental yeah. hospital where it's like, wow, aren't yeah. they crazy? Um, so I didn't care for that. But my next one, and I think this is again like a really zoned in specific thing that I'm just like wondering and I, I kind of want to look at the internet and see if anyone has said anything about it or I'm just off my rocker and it's not real I'm but ready. Bruce Willis is in the mental hospital and it's during his escape he's like getting out and in the background while he is on his escape route because Brad Pitt has given a key and everything oh that part okay yes there is a man in the background who is painting the walls, and it's like the walls are really high, he might even be painting the ceiling, and he's wearing, like, those stilts that painters sometimes have. So he's, like, clomping around in the background on these stilts painting, and it made me really wonder and want to watch specifically for this purpose of, are there other kind of circus references oh. in this movie? Because it felt pointed of like there's a guy on stilts that's very and we have this fun circus music playing throughout and i i kind of want to just watch it to to find what else is going on in the background like maybe there's yeah. for some reason like a very strong man or a bearded lady or something well, I was else just gonna in the say, background for some reason and i can't pinpoint it but for some reason i feel like someone had a facial deformity maybe there's just like a lot of other circus act yeah. or freak show type things and i would really like to to look at what's going on in the background because that felt curious. like that yeah Twelve monkeys. Cool. Saw like six of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kayleen's up next. Ooh, with Mulholland Drive. Can so funny that that last week when I drove up to LA, I actually saw a couple exit signs that had Mulholland yeah. Drive on it. Very fun. And it was funny because I was listening to our episode as Whoa. I passed them. Sexy. Why didn't you get off and drive them? I I had to go to the shoot. So. Nope. Get <laughs> off and drive them. Podcast. <laughs> So, Mulholland Drive. My first note is that it's a lot brighter than I imagined. Mm -hmm. Because my brain was like, it's Lynch, it's Twin Peaks, but it's so... Noir. Yeah, but it's so bright and, like, a lot of beige and yellows and not, like, black and dark blue. It's like... Green. It's, yeah, it's very, very... It's not dingy. Yeah. It makes me feel like I'm in the sun the whole time, for the except, like, in Silencio. Like L.A.? Yeah, <laughs> yes. It doesn't make me feel like I'm in... Because Twin Peaks is somewhere... It's the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, yeah, right? Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah, it is Pacific Northwest, which is a totally different vibe. Mm -hmm. um, so that was fun. It was a different change, and I didn't picture any of it like that, really. Which is also funny, because we never really say the settings when we do things, because why would you, unless yeah. it's relevant? And so everything I just pictured at night, like the diner, I was like, oh, obviously he dies at night with the hobo, but it's no, not. it's daylight. It's day. <laughs> also, I, I wrote this note just because I had to Google it when I thought of it, because I was like, well, we gotta, we gotta crack the code on this. Remember how we talked about Jack Nicholson bashing in someone's yes, window? Yes, yes, yeah. I couldn't find hard evidence that his nickname is tied to him bashing the window, but this reference is in reference to Jack Nicholson bashing a window. Okay. His nickname was, it's so fucking easy, <laughs> Mulholland Man. 
Didn't we joke that it was Mole and Jack? We said something very similar. I don't remember what we joked, but I think... I think we said no. Mole and Jack. Okay, this is what it was. It's, his name is Mulholland Man, and I said Mulholland Jack. You did. Because <laughs> I wrote the note, I said Mulholland Jack. So it's truly not something like Golf Club Jack? It's Mulholland Man. But I, I couldn't find out why, but that's his name. I love the jewelry scene when he's destroying the jewelry because he does yes. it so calmly. He just leaves the room like, oh, this is happening. Guess I'll go ruin her life. And the music is like, doop, da, da, doop. I loved it. I thought it was great. Definitely the sexual tension was there from the beginning. I wrote, they're going to make out any second. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I found you naked in the shower. Bye. Oh, oops. <laughs> I'm such a klutz. I fell right into you in the shower. Yeah. Something that's like, you probably caught this as well, because you did the analysis, but obviously you're not going to tell us when you're explaining, but holy shit, when they're doing the phone call to Diane Selwyn the first time... I know what you're going to say. <laughs> it's Betty that says, yeah. it's strange to call yourself. I thought about making that a fun fact, but <gasps> I didn't I didn't want to give it away. Yeah! But yeah. Betty says it's strange to call yourself, and it's because she's calling herself. like, she's Weird. saying it for Rita, yeah. but really she's saying it for her. And I was like, because in my mind, I pictured Rita doing it just because, like, logically that makes more sense. Yeah. Even though you said it, of course, the right way, but I was like, holy shit. Yeah. That was That's one I so really crazy. wanted to talk about, but I didn't want to give it all away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... So we got to the scene with her cool acting, right? Where she's with the old man. Yeah. And she's doing the acting. Yeah. And it's that scene where you say he's being pretentious. Mm-hmm. And basically the director guy or one of the guys in charge says like, all right, do it again. And he goes, can we just like, can we do it the way we would do it with the other girls? They weren't giving me anything that I needed. You know, acting is reacting, which is what you told us, Courtney. But when I watched it for myself, I realized even more how much this wasn't even just him being pretentious, but it's him blaming his shitty auditions on the other actresses. Oh. And I got so angry (laughs) because I have been in a play, multiple plays, but one specifically where anytime my partner got a negative note, they would turn and say, well, that's because Kayleen didn't do this. Yikes. And when you get a note... It's never because of your partner. It's because the director should be smart enough to know when it's your fault and yeah. they are saying something. Anyway, I just like was like, ooh, ouch, hurt me a little bit. <laughs> he was like, acting is reacting. And I was like, or maybe you're a bad actor. <laughs> um, Arrogance. It turns me off creatively, spiritually, and emotionally. <laughs> um, I also wrote, maybe she wishes Adam admired her instead. I know that that's not her end goal, like, she's in love with Camilla, Mm. but when she has that look across the room with Adam, I'm like, maybe it's just kind of an attention thing, or a love thing, or an admiration thing, because... Especially if in the real world, it's Camilla that's the one who's with Adam, and so she sees him, and it's like, what if it had been me all along, because in her world, it was Camilla that... Oh, it was Camilla! Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if Adam was fawning over me and I got to leave Camilla in the dust, oh, you know? And I got the part of Sylvia yeah. North and that was the end of that. Yeah. That's so, certainly, like, a thought process that happens to people. 
So yeah, this is really not that important of a note, but this has happened to me more than once in life with Mac Miller songs that I huh? that I know Mac Miller songs and then find out that he sampled from real songs, which obviously lots of people do that, but it's oh. like I just don't know older I just don't know these other songs. Anyway, uh, at the beginning of his song Knock Knock is bam ba da ba da 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 which is the is that fucking that 16 reasons why I love you. No, it's the song that uh the other Camilla Rhodes is singing. Oh, okay. The and one I'm like, after 16 oh, Reasons. Oh, that's where Mac Miller sampled that from. Weird. Yeah. You mentioned that Naomi Watts is Australian and that she got encouragement from Nicole Kidman, which is funny because she talks a lot like Nicole Kidman. Like They're very similar. There's, there's a lot of similarities to them, and what's funny is when I was younger... My recall about actors and movies, I thought, like, I, I could have sworn that Nicole Kidman was in that King Kong movie. Oh. But then I remember finding out in probably, like, 2010 that she <laughs> wasn't. And I was like, you're wrong, she is. <laughs> but it's not. They're very, very similar. They are. They look alike. They sound alike. Yeah. And I like that they're friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also found this movie to be very similar in a way to... The assassination of Jesse James, in that at one point I said, I think she wants to be her. Oh. And not be with her. Or she wants her to be her. Exactly. <laughs> well, that, when she's wig. trying to make her look like yeah. her, it's like, what if it had always been me and I were still yeah. that person? So in yeah. a way it almost makes me feel like you want to be the one that's admired mm-hmm. and the one that's copied and the one that's like lusted after. So at this moment, and I would like to touch on this later, but at this moment when they're in Silencio, I wrote this note, and I just find it very interesting. I said, is she asleep, or is this heaven, or is this moments before death? Ooh. So at this moment, I had, like, three different ideas of what this whole movie is. So you think it's possibly what she's experiencing before she kills herself, so, or it's possibly what she lives after the life, or it's just yeah, regular exactly. life. So, wow. So in this moment, I had three theories. One of them being the one you gave us, and then two being ones I had just thought of then. And I will tell you the one I've decided upon at the end. Oh, cool. When he says, hey, pretty girl, time to wake up, I think that might be when she's dead. What becomes very jeez. <laughs> what becomes very confusing, and which is part of your ten keys too, is that once we see like real Betty, aka Diane, shit isn't linear. Yeah, no, and it's, that's it's hard all over the place. because it's like I already was in some kind of an unreal world, and I'm trying to figure out what that was, but at the same time. When you're telling me the real story, it's not even linear. You can't even really trust what's being told to you in the real story, because you gotta piece it together and figure it out. That's kind of the whole movie for me, <laughs> is that I don't know what to trust yeah. ever. And and I'm just along for the ride, and I feel like, that's LA, babe. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what's going on. <laughs> oh, this was just, I thought it was such a great acting thing. Naomi Watts wakes up. Even the way she opens her mouth to speak is different. I know. She's a whole different person. It's like every mannerism she has as Diane is different. And I was like, holy crap. Like, that's an actress right there. I thought that was great. That's super sick. Isn't that sick? Mm -hmm. I put in the, and I put quote because I didn't know yet or have an idea yet, but in the dream, 
the neighbor never gets back her lamp and dishes. <laughs> because in the real world, she goes like, you've had those for three weeks. And then she gives them back. But in when we saw Betty and Rita going, yeah. like she's like, she's had my stuff for three weeks or whatever. Um, in my fantasy, people don't get what they want. <laughs> yeah. In my fantasy, I steal people's things and they never get them back. <laughs> um, I also really liked one of the clues is notice, like, the location of the accident. Mm-hmm. You know, an accident is a terrible thing. And Mulholland Drive is where she found out that they're going to get married. Yeah. And that's a terrible thing. Uh-huh. That's, like, the terrible thing for her. Yeah. There's, okay, I, I didn't write them all down. But there is a lot of things I still don't have a connection to. Like, what the fuck do the old people mean? What are they for? I don't understand. Do you I have think, a guess? I think they're kind of like, and this is not a research <laughs> guess. This is my thought, is that there would, and I don't even know if this was like a psychological thing at the time, but they, to me, feel like intrusive thoughts of like, mm. we're small and we're creeping up and we're going to get you when you least expect it and suddenly you're thrown back and propelled into reality because it's like, suddenly we're small and we, we've got a hold on you and now we're creeping under your doorway and then we're really big and we've got you. Okay. And also they just kind of felt to me like the facade of LA because we see her great interaction with Irene at the very beginning. Where she's very sweet. Seconds and, later, yeah. Irene is revealed to be kind of like a mannequin. Yeah. Or she's very scary and, and just like a <laughs> s- scary yeah. facade of a human. Maybe and then, that's just like old people in general where they can be used in film to either be really nice or really scary. Okay, but that's kind of actually what the things from my research came up about um, the, the garbage person. Mm. Is that like in L.A., there are people that are simply disposable and oh. if you're not the hot new thing, you're going to become trash person living behind the dumpster and you're going to be a monster. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, that's the big one so that I saw. why does she kill Winky's man and why does Winky's man show up again later? So, I think what's cool to me about Winky's man and dream theory in general is that you guys know that we never dream about people we haven't seen in real life. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a thing, is that if someone is in your dream, it's because you've seen them peripherally or you know them in general. So yeah. is the idea then, like, you know how sometimes when you're explaining a dream to somebody, you say, like, oh, I don't know who that was. It might have been you. It might have just been... Yeah. Do you think that's like, oh, I saw a person in passing, and so their image she is saw, kind of... Impl- she saw him in passing, yeah, okay. and then within her dream, she was picturing what it's like to be washed up in L.A., of you're no longer a hot commodity, you're no longer desirable or usable, so you might as well become trash person who lives behind the garbage, and then that person just is too much to contain, and they attack somebody, and they kill somebody for real. And so, I think Betty's dream is to be Camilla, and her nightmare is to be that hobo person. Okay. And that hobo person kills the guy from Winkies, because it's like, you have to in your dream, know that person in real life. And I do love that she sees that guy in Winkies. Yeah. When she's trying to hire the hitman, there's just that guy in the background. And I think that's a great way to... And I don't know who you are, so you're trash! Exactly! And to, like, tie them all together, because I was like, get ready for a whole bunch of nonsense that makes no sense. Yeah. It's like, that guy existed in her dream, and it's because he... She saw him in real life. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. So then that continues with the notes... I don't have that many left, but basically, okay, yeah, actually, now we're into the ending, into what I I personally think, which is, 
I have decided on the fact that I think these are her flashes before death. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like, you know how like people say like, my life flashed before my eyes. I think it's like that, but with her dreams. Okay. Because right after she kills herself, we see like, you know, the happy flashes with the palm trees, this and that. And there's something about, because at this point I was still like, oh, well this could be moments before death or it could be heaven. I was tying between those two. Not to say that the dream isn't possible, but those were, like, the two I was leaning toward. But then, the fact that the blue-haired woman at the very end of the film says silencio... Yeah. ...makes me think that that's the flash before death... Okay. ...and then silencio is death. And like there's when she, nothing. Ooh. And I was like, Like, I when feel... she's having a seizure in Club Silencio. Yeah. Yes. So it's like, it's like you have all these, you know... To us, it's a whole movie, but to her, it's two seconds. And then she's nothing. So that's how I feel about it. And I just thought it was such a fun ride to, like, try to... Did you like it? I really liked it. It's a good movie. And I I kind of feel like this is something that I need to watch, like, 20 times. Because I already came up with, like, my own theories and my own, like, questions. And now I'm like... I want to figure it out. <laughs> if not for the pod, I would love to to watch it with you and, and have your theories just like speak them out loud as yeah. we're watching it. Because I would kind of like so to much packed in this. That's so fine. That, so that we both have space and then we watch it together, both having seen it. Pretty pissed that I didn't see Mulholland Drive because uh, it sounds like it's right up my alley instead. I, I literally got margarita in Kimmy. my eyeball. <laughs> and Kimmy's been quiet for the past twenty minutes plus. I think it's just because the whole time she's been, like, mad she can't contribute. Yeah, like, wow, that sounds like a movie that I would have a lot of theories about, but instead I fucking watched Horsesense. Okay, but let me say... I didn't think you would watch fucking Horsesense. Kayleen, no one thought she would watch Horsesense. I didn't let think me I say would watch Horsesense. I probably... She watched about 50 minutes out of an hour and Five 20. 5 And after she had watched that much, I walked out here and I was like, I... <laughs> Honestly, cannot believe you're watching this. You're gonna have nothing to say. And she flashes me her laptop screen. Oh god. And goes, I have notes. <laughs> she goes, um, I wrote a film essay. Okay, hold All on. Right, well, I, I didn't write a film essay because I don't think this movie deserves that much. It does not, Kimmy. It didn't deserve a whole podcast episode. But I'm glad we did it. Oh, God, I love it so much. The predictions make me fucking cry. And as somebody who has seen very few DCOMs... <laughs> oh, no. All right, horse sense. Uh, <laughs> what do you get when you get a city slicker on a horse? <laughs> and that's horse sense. <laughs> okay, so I guess, you know, starting, I guess. Okay, honestly, should we dissect the 20 seconds of Matthew Lawrence for the whole 30 minutes? Or? She didn't like it. I knew it. I, I knew knew it. it. Okay, you so watch I it. I, don't, I was going to punch her. <laughs> so I don't have this in my notes, so I guess I should say that first, even though it's out of order. I'm going to kill um, her. So, like, I think it's, like, most Can we stop talking? She said he wasn't hot. So I, hold on. Well, uh, first of all, I get to the part in the movie kind of towards the end where the guy's named Michael, right? Yeah. Michael's in a wife beater and he's building the fence. I was like... Oh, that guy's pretty buff. Yeah, I guess he could be hot. Oh, shit. I did not even see the camera. <laughs> I know. And I know. So when the movie finished, 
Courtney, he was oh, like, no. I'll rewind it back for you so you can see the cameo. I don't know if I just, like, wasn't paying attention. I just, like, didn't remember seeing it. <laughs> she wasn't. I could hear it from my bedroom as I was uploading Google Classrooms. I could hear the fucking movie playing and she didn't react. Nope. <laughs> she was texting Jesse being like, fuck horses. <laughs> Courtney rewinds it. She puts it on. I watch it. With your eyes squinted like that? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, it's not that dude. It's not that. Oh, oh, he just bumped into somebody. <laughs> Um, no. Kimmy, honestly, <laughs> and I just no. like, wasn't into it, so, no, no sorry. <laughs> Kayleen and I were there for it, and it was the most glorious thing I've I guess, ever I just, like, don't seen. Know. Lawrence brothers well, okay, either. here was the thing I was going to say, is that we already agreed that you and I didn't know who the Lawrence brothers were. Yeah. However, I knew very strongly, without knowing his name at the time, I know now. But at the time, I didn't know his name. I just knew that I thought he was hot as Matthew Lawrence. Yeah. And so, I thought his name was Lawrence. <laughs> so I thought that's who I was watching just with Lawrence. more sense. Um, but so, like, seeing him, I already knew he was the brother I liked the most. He was the one to get excited about. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> moving on. His girlfriend? <laughs> Gina? Gina. Ooh, moving I on that far. strong personal offense to likening her to Buffy as far as her style goes. She Buffy. has the same haircut. No, no. She just has blonde hair. That's all I meant. And her? it's layered and highlighted. She looked more like an extra from Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. I love Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, and that is on par with Buffy. They're Buffy really the same is a style icon. No. Oh my god. Buffy is not a style yes, icon. She is. No. Okay, but she has the same layers and the same highlights. Buffy goes through. <laughs> Seven seasons of different hairstyles. Well, she okay. has one of the seven. All right, moving on. Tommy is a little psychopath. <laughs> yes. Right? And I thought that in the explanation, and now it is truly cemented in my it mind. It is confirmed. <laughs> Isn't yeah. it true that his experience in L.A. was 1,000 times better than the experience he gives his cousin? Yeah. I would just like to say that <laughs> Michael is not a bad dude. He really isn't. He's, he cares about his family. He cares about his cousin, I guess. He's just a little negligent. I think he doesn't have his priorities straight. He's literally like 21. Of course he's fucking negligent. He's not a psychopath like Tommy. (laughs) (laughs) He's not like a bad seed with like (laughs) horrid intentions. He doesn't want to kill his plans. (laughs) Like so fuck Tommy. Um, The shoveling poop sequence goes on like for way too long. Um, But you know I do have to remember that this is pre-2000s humor. (laughs) And getting poop in your mouth is still considered, like, the height of comedy yeah. at that well, time. Also, again, it's geared toward children, and so even, like, 2020 children are gonna go, ah! I come to something else a little bit later in my notes that totally disproves that this is for children whatsoever. Oh, fair. So, this set of lines happen that just, um, make me realize that Michael is probably just one of the most uncultured people <laughs> in the world. Okay. Michael says, what are you looking at? Jewel says, God's painting again. And he says, what? Oh, oh, uh, of course, the sunset, right. And I just think that you can discover through context clues <laughs> what she might be talking about. And even if you were born under a rock, oh you my God. know that that is in reference to a sunset. <laughs> a sunset. Like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that sentence in my life, and I still know what the fuck Jules is talking can about. Can we, he got it in like four seconds. <laughs> <laughs> A sunset. Which is three seconds longer like than it should take. Looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> the mom is the best actor in this movie. I somewhat agree with that. Like, she's sure. great. 
She said that thing about, I think it's around this time, too, right before Michael falls asleep on her. Yeah. Isn't like that rude? Douche. Did that yeah. make you mad? Opening up to him and getting emotional about her, her dead husband. And I was, like, moved for a second. I know. And, I, you know what? She's just crushing it. So, good job for Susan Walters. And that's, and that's what makes that part so much more devastating is that, as an audience member, you're like, man, can you imagine losing your husband and the father of your child? And then your fucking nephew's ass is asleep? Yeah. And, and she Love just looks this. at it like, wah, wah. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's fucked up. So, mm-hmm. whatever. You're setting unrealistic expectations about yeah. the reality of life for children watching this film. True. Anyways. <laughs> Tommy is really a psychopath. <laughs> serious injuries. Serious, serious injuries can befall somebody who rides an unruly horse. And gets bucked into a bullpen. Yeah, it's yeah. that. Maybe you should get on that horse. Yeah. <laughs> no, maybe this bull no, like, is going to you know, attack me. Somebody can, you know, rupture their spine or collarbone or whatever yeah. and be paralyzed Break forever. their neck and die. Yeah. So, um, you know, don't try that at home, kids. Only on <laughs> Disney Channel. Yeah, my notes aren't, like, super, like, chronological in terms of the story. These are more just, like... As you thought of them. You know, yeah. l- little thought bubbles that I had while watching this godforsaken piece of film. <laughs> <laughs> Michael looks like a mix between Hayden Christensen and the guy who plays John Tucker. Oh, Ooh, that's interesting. Cut. I agree with half of that, and then, like, I agree with a quarter of it. What? <laughs> what? I think that would probably equal... <laughs> yeah, he's what? halfway Hayden Christensen, and then he's a quarter of the way Jesse Metcalf. Honestly, like, this is so bizarre, because it's... <laughs> Okay, how do I sum this up and not make it, like, ten minutes long? You know how we've talked about how we love this podcast because it makes us analyze movies more? Yeah. Yeah. What's so funny about this is that this whole podcast about horse sets started from a fucking joke about I know, how right? I didn't know who the Lawrence brothers were, and since then, I feel like I'm an expert. <laughs> because Joey Lawrence, to me, I'm like, what do you mean? He looks like Joseph Lawrence. Because <laughs> I've seen so many clips of him now in, like, so many shows, and I'm like, yeah, it's Joey Lawrence. Respect him, you know? Uh-huh. But I didn't know who he was, like, two months ago. So, the the horse in the mud scene is so fucking long. <laughs> <laughs> also, the horse is, is uh, atop the mud. He's not I even feel, He's pretty much out of the mud. He's pretty much I out feel of the mud. blessed to have been in the room with Kimmy while that scene took place, and she was like, he's fine. <laughs> There's really nothing Go. to be worried about. There's no stakes in the situation. It's so stupid. But you know what? Watching it without knowing the outcome, we were like, oh my god, Tommy's getting trampled. <laughs> I'm like, the arc of this scene is that they're going to try and get the horse out of the mud and it's going to be a shrug. My, I guess in conclusion, that those were all my notes, but this is my conclusion. <clears throat> <laughs> this is arguably the most unentertaining decom in existence <laughs> for a kid. That is for a kid. That, I've I've watched worse. I was gonna say that. Well, is, I haven't. Well, that's interesting because it's also interesting being us who grew up in a certain time and now we're adults in a certain time. And I feel that kids nowadays might have higher expectations. Whereas me as a kid probably would have watched this and been like a movie. Well, and I think a kid nowadays would go a boring. <laughs> I just don't think that there's like a lot of themes. There's not. There's not a lot of like. Parts of this movie from the middle of it onward that are super relatable as far as following a plot that a kid mm. can grasp onto. Like, 
trusts. I was just going to say class differences, foreclosures, losing property, estate sales. There's no action past that. And the big, like, culminating thing of is getting the farm back from from the bank. Kids don't understand that shit. It's not anything exciting for them. Yeah. Thus, I rest my case. Fair. (laughs) Yeah, I just, like, don't care. And I don't think that anybody else should. (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, if you're listening to this and you didn't listen to our Horse Sense episode, it's one of our best. Please go listen to it. Oh, go and listen you, to her. And She's you do great. not need to watch the movie. No. Okay, well that concludes this round's wrap. Thanks so much for listening. We've had quite a ride today. Yep. We tried. <laughs> Join us next time when Kayleen and I explain the entire plot of the new 2020 movie. Ooh, 2020. Invisible yeah. Man starring Elizabeth Moss to Courtney. The dark universe coming at ya. And also, that's probably the last movie we'll see in public for a while. Dark <laughs> universe coronavirus coming at ya. <laughs>